Welcome to COPcast from Climate Home News. I'm Sarah Stefanini, senior reporter, and Climate Home's editor, Cal Matheson, is here with me. So it's the start of the second week at the COP, and it's a lot busier. Um, on today's episode, we have Amy Harder, who works for Axios in Washington. She's one of the best journalists covering Washington climate politics. And she spoke to Carl about what the White House wanted to achieve with an event today that promoted the fossil fuel industry at the UN summit. But first, I want to thank our supporter, the Stockholm Environment Institute. As reporters in the climate space, finding good data and analysis is difficult, but we often use SEI's team of experts to help us understand a story more deeply. For compelling evidence on climate action, go to SEI.org. Hi, Carl. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. It's the start of the second week and it's a lot busier. The media room is full of journalists and ministers are in town to get down to the final negotiations. And you went to a pretty interesting event today. Tell us about it. I did. I went with Soila, our producer, and um, it was so Wells Griffith, who is Donald Trump's energy advisor, was there to with speakers from the industry and also with an Australian environment um, ambassador to talk about the benefits of coal, nuclear energy and natural gas and sort of talk about having to keep energy security in line with environmental protection. Um, this is the second time that the White House has hosted an event like this at a COP, and it's also the second time that they were interrupted by a huge chorus of protests. Um, we heard uh, people just sort of all of a sudden st- stood up and started laughing, literally just saying ha-ha um, to the speakers and then screaming um, keep it in the ground and telling their stories of where they came from and um, talking about the dangers of fossil fuels. Um, So it's definitely an interesting event. And we'll talk to Amy Harder and get her to decode some of the politics around that and and what the White House is doing here. I just wanted to share with you one thing that happened to me today, which was really great. I was in an event where Todd Stern and Sue Binias, Obama's former negotiators, were speaking. And they were talking about the future of the Paris Agreement when suddenly... uh, Jia Zhenhua, the Chinese lead negotiator, who's an old friend of both of theirs, walked past and sort of stood outside the window waving to them. And it was really, really demonstrative. And everyone sort of in the room laughed and they waved back. And then they continued. And then three minutes later, uh, Miguel Arias Cañete walked past and gave them a big thumbs up. And the whole thing seemed very orchestrated, although uh, I've asked their minders and they're uh, keeping their, they're playing their cards pretty close to their chest. So it was really funny. Well, that's funny. And I think it really shows um, the fact that you've got two Americas here at the COP. On the one hand, um, as non-American negotiators told us, and in the story that we published today on our website, negotiate, American negotiators behind closed doors are still really trying to get a deal that this government and future American governments would accept just in case America decides to either never leave or one day return. On the other hand, you still have publicly the White House openly rejecting the Paris Agreement, criticizing it, talking about the importance of U.S. jobs over environmental protection and things like that. Um, Now we'll hear from some of the protesters at the U.S. event and then also from Amy Harder. Not your turn, this time. We must keep it in the 
I'm here with Amy Harder. She's the Energy and Climate Reporter for Axios. You're based in uh, Washington DC and uh, we're over here in Katowice and there's just been an event where the US administration um, brought a lot of energy uh, executives and people to talk to, um, to the conference. Amy, what were you thinking about while you were watching the event? Well, that it was awfully similar to one that happened last year at the same conference. Um, this is the Trump administration's way of touting its agenda, which is supporting fossil fuels and nuclear power at a climate change conference. Now, I do think there are some legitimate points in their message, which I, I covered in, in, in my coverage on Axios.com, about how we remain heavily reliant on fossil fuels and nuclear power is zero emitting. But that's not what the administration is doing back home in the United States. They're not, they're not trying to really uh, make fossil fuels cleaner or really incentivizing nuclear power, which could benefit mostly by a carbon tax, which of course this administration would never support. So there's some uh, disconnect between um, their presentation here and what they're doing back at home. The, one of the differences between this event this year and the event last year was the, the host. Um, so it, it was last year it was hosted by David Banks, who was the kind of White House's representative at the talks. He's now left the White House and it was hosted by Wells Griffiths. Who, who is Wells Griffiths and have you spoken to him? Yes, he um, is a... He, a Trump administration official. He's in the White House currently. Before that, he was at the Energy Department. He's a somewhat lower profile uh, official than uh, David Banks was when he was in the White House. And so you're seeing this sort of attrition situation where Trump isn't appointing new advisors that are on a similar level as David Banks. And so you're seeing these somewhat lower level official people. They're, they're pushing the same message though. Um, which I think is important to note. I would also say one other big difference, which I know uh, many people took notice of, is an Australian government official was on the panel as well, um, which is really interesting. And I think it perhaps is a subtle sign that there is there is support for what, this what the Trump administration is trying to say. And it'll be interesting to see if there's any sort of backlash to that. Is there a sort of coalition building element going on from the White House? You talk about the Australians. Are they talking to any other countries uh, about this kind of broader fossil fuel agenda? Well, that's a good question because there's sort of these dual parallel tracks going on um, from the U.S. government side. You have the technical negotiations of the Paris Climate Accord where they're, they're, they, being the administration, are um, talking about importance of transparency and, and things like that. And then you have this more pub, um, public perspective of ensuring a fossil fuels remain a big mix. I think there's some sort of unofficial conversations and bilateral meetings happening, and this is definitely the message that they're sending in these meetings, but I don't think it's part of the official negotiations.
What did you make? We saw on Saturday night um, a pushback, um, kind of a floor fight in the plenary over the 1.5 IPCC report, um, the science UN science panel report. And you saw a kind of unusual coalition of uh, Russia, the US, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. And I'm interested in what you made of that, that particular grouping of countries. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, I think uh, the the group of countries is not necessarily that surprising. I think you've seen uh, some skepticism from the Saudi delegation in the past on certain things, and and I think you know it depends on really who you ask. There was all this this festering over welcome versus noted, and it's certainly significant. I think my point as a reporter is i you know there's so many of these things are it's not mutually exclusive so yes everything in the ipcc report maybe you know obviously there's there can always be improvements upon the science but that doesn't mean that you should disavow the whole thing you know the trump administration goes even further uh, to question the modeling or the assumptions and the conclusions and then say that you know downplay the fact that climate change is a problem and and so I try to remind people that yes there can there can always be uncertainties in the science but that does not mean that climate change is not real it very much is and humans are having an impact and it, it seems uh, interesting that we're having this conversation at a climate change conference because most of the world has moved beyond that you uh, talk a lot to uh, reading your reporting you have a really um, good access and talk a lot to uh, people in the energy industry in the US and I'm curious about how they see the Trump administration position on the Paris Agreement and whether they feel that that is actually genuinely helping their business agenda. Well, I think it depends on the type of business that you're talking about. I think you're um, here referring mostly to the fossil fuel industry. And I think there you actually had some big oil companies come out and support um, the Paris climate deal, but it was relatively tepid support. It was a letter, and that was pretty much it. Uh, And so that, you know, the Paris climate deal, I think, can eventually, I think a company like ExxonMobil is positioning itself to be a huge natural gas producer, which natural gas in the short term will actually benefit from aggressive climate action. So, you know, I think they're mildly disappointed in the fact that the administration is sort of disavowing the science, but they're not losing any sleep uh, over all of this. They have, you know, they're dealing with Trump's trade wars against China. That's having a huge, huge impact. It's, it's important to, to realize that you know climate change is almost always lower on the totem pole of priorities for almost everybody. I think for most companies, this isn't a top issue. However, there's a lot of non-fossil fuel companies that are becoming more vocal and disavowing Trump um, and his um, intent to pull out of the deal. Some of the statements that we see coming out of the State Department um, and the administration, it's kind of it walks this interesting line, and it has been ever since. Trump announced that his intention to pull out and, and even in his speech a year ago he kind of left the door open to renegotiating or something and we still see that in the press releases that we get I just wondered whether you have any insight into whether there's a kind of conversation that still goes on in the administration about the Paris Agreement and whether we'd ever see a shift in policy on it I would say the short answer to, to that is no. Uh, you know, from day one when he did announce he was planning to withdraw, there's never seemed to be any serious effort to re-engage. Uh, 
the administration and, and talking to, you know, even former officials now, Dave Banks. Um, Dave says he's confident that maybe if there's some way to link climate to trade, it could eventually be something that Trump could get behind. I tend to think if there's a way for Trump to support action on climate change, it's definitely going to be through another avenue other than actual climate change. I don't think we're ever going to see an about-a-face where you see Trump suddenly saying that he thinks we need to take this issue seriously. So if that happens, it'll be something else, a way to be competitive with China, for example. But for now, I, I don't see um, them re-engaging at all. And you know, I think we should continue to have that perspective unless, yeah, honestly, I, I don't even see a way as of now. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. And that's it for this COPcast. I'm, I'm Sarah Stefanini. Thanks to Carl Matheson and our producer, Soila Aparicio. Don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud and on iTunes podcasts. COPcast is also available on other good podcast apps. Climate Home News is on Twitter and Facebook, and you can subscribe to our newsletter by going to climatechangenews.com. See you tomorrow.